Hi, Killjoys. Rachel here with a brief message before we start the show. So the Feminist Killjoys PhD podcast has partnered with its very first sponsor, and I hope you all know that Melody and I would not participate in sponsorship if we didn't actually believe in what the sponsor was doing. So I'm very proud and excited to share that we are currently sponsored by the MA in Critical Studies program at the Pacific Northwest College of Art because we need to interrogate, intervene, and reimagine like never before. For more information or to apply, visit pnca.edu slash critical studies. You're listening to Feminist Killjoys, PhD, an hour of feminism, pop culture, and politics as discussed by two professional killjoys. I'm Rachel. And I'm Melody. And today we'll be discussing asexuality and ace spectrum identity with special guest Molly Woodstock. But first, Melody, where can our listeners find us on the internet? In select places. You can subscribe to us using your favorite podcast application. Pull up that iTunes app if you want to leave us a review because you can do it on the app now. On the social media tip, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. On Facebook, we have our regular page. Just search for our podcast name, uh, like it for episode updates, or you can join our closed community page for deeper discussions, Feminist Killjoys Community dash WTF Power exclamation point. On Spotify, we have a Feminist Killjoys PhD mixtape that Rachel keeps updated. And if you have extra dollars and want to support feminist media makers, you can visit our website, fkjphd.com, and either click on the Patreon logo to support us monthly with your micro donation, or you can click on the birdie where you can leave a one-time donation through PayPal. With Patreon, if you give us a dollar a month, a dollar a month or more, that is correct. You can get access to our Killjoy review newsletter that we send out weekly. $5 or more gets you episode bonus episodes and other behind the scenes information. And of course, you can email us at fkj.phd at gmail.com. And the non-internet way to get in touch with us is US number plus one four one four eight five eight seven eight one eight. How are you, Rachel? I'm pretty good. I had a bad cold this week, so that was kind of rough, but I was really good to myself. I found subs for all of the yoga and sculpt classes I was supposed to teach, so uh, the only, I mean, so, which is not always the case. Sometimes I'll just push through because both money and because, you know, I'm just a Capricorn, as we'll discuss later, um, or a Capricorn rising, rather. But I let myself rest, and that is good. And what else? I was working also on a on a writing assignment that I'm doing for a publication that I'm really excited about that I'll announce when it's published. But it's about the attempts at bail reform that utilize algorithmic uh, predictive technology that attempts to predict whether or not the person should be held on bail or not, given all these sorts of data including like where they live and prior convictions and all of this stuff that's supposedly like very objective because they don't ask about race. But the thing is, guess what already exists when you're asking about like homelessness and employment? Racism is already a thing that's woven in the fabric of those of those things. So anyway. Oh yeah. That was a <laughs> So it's been it's it's been a good a good writing assignment. So I've been working on that. And what else? That's the big stuff. 
Uh, I also mentioned later that I'm going to see Black Panther tomorrow. I'm excited about that. And Wait, how do you know what you're telling? How do you know what you're going to mention in the future? Because I'm an intuitive and a mystic and I see the future. No, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, I'm kind of those things a little bit because we all are. But be- because because we recorded out of order. <laughs> I'm breaking you the wall again. Wall. I know. It's like avant-garde theater. I just break the wall all the That's time. That's fine. Fuck walls. No borders. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be flip about that. I really believe that. No borders. Anyway, how are you? I'm good. I didn't know you were sick. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. it's. I mean, it was a cold. I was mostly functional, but I'm still kind of stuffed up. It's still annoying because yeah. you have to, like, carry it around all day and yeah. it just gets frustrating. It's true. And then it's, like, worse in the morning and night, yeah. maybe. You, you're, yeah. you're naming Ugh. it. You're pain in my week. Yep. It's no fun. How am I? I'm good. I'm in Milwaukee for a whirlwind weekend. And I'm actually, did I tell you why I'm in town? Did I tell the listeners why I was in town? I don't think you did. They won't be Oh my shocked. God, this is so obnoxious, you all. <laughs> Giving, like, given what I just say in the hour on this podcast, I'm here to see a Boney Vera show. This is so, st- I can't even, I'm like kind of embarrassed now. Don't be embarrassed. I think it's a lovely association that everybody has with you. <laughs> he uh, He's doing a, or well, Justin Vernon is doing a special 10-year anniversary show for his first album, which, holy. Yeah. When you told me that, I was like, wow, we are, we are getting up there in age. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that's why I'm here. And, but I'm also, there's a lot of Aquariuses in my family. So I'm visiting the fellow Aquariuses for their mini birthday meetups and just checking in with the hometown. Love it. Did I tell you that I'm playing Comrade in my yoga, yoga classes this month? The song by Volcano Ooh. Wire that you mentioned. Yeah, like in the middle, like when things get, when you have to do the heavier stuff. No, more it's stuff. more. No, my class is, my class is kind of a, a more amped physical class, the way that I teach. The whole time? The whole time. So we actually, that's like the beginning. That's right after we do integration, Comrade okay. comes in. So oh, you cool. could, you'd, I think you'd like it where it is. I'm sure I would. Any anywhere. I was just curious. I know nothing. I also know nothing about putting together a yoga class playlist. I was just like guessing. Yeah. So. It could. It would also work in the middle. Totally. Okay. Totally. Let's get to Molly. Molly Woodstock is a queer, genderqueer, vegan journalist who lives in Portland, Oregon, with a cat named after nutritional yeast. In addition to writing for Travel Portland and Portland Monthly Magazine, Molly hosts and produces Gender Reveal a podcast that centers non-binary, trans, and queer voices. Find them on Twitter at Molly Woodstock, but also you can find them on Patreon, which they forgot to mention, but you should definitely look into that. So that's Molly, and we're so excited to talk to them. Melody, will you take us there? So we are here with Molly Woodstock. Molly, thank you again so much for joining us. We just Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. Yay, we love having you on. This is your second time on, I think. Yeah. We yes. did that group chat with Lacey Davis. This is my first solo time. First on solo. Woo So we told the the good listeners who you are already. So we'd love to just dive in. Uh <laughs> You, there are so many things we could pick your brain about because you are a multifaceted, interesting human who is more than just Aww. your identity categories. But given that it's Sex and Love Month, uh, we wanted to talk to you about asexuality. So first, can you tell us what asexuality is and also more broadly what the ace spectrum is? 
Yeah, absolutely. First, I want to thank you for talking about asexuality during your Sex and Love Month. It really means a lot to me to have this information out there because I think it actually is really helpful to a lot of people who have not heard it before. So thank you for providing that platform. Um, I identify as a spectrum. So I think the best way to think about asexuality is as a spectrum, um, the same way that we think about gender as a spectrum some of us do from masculine to feminine or the same way we think of like gay to straight as a spectrum you can think of a spectrum from asexuality to allosexuality which is the word that ace people use to mean like sexual people like normal ass sexual people <laughs> so um you have the asexuality to allosexuality spectrum and i think that often when folks hear the word asexual they think of someone who has never experienced sexual attraction in their life and has never had sex in their life and never wants to have sex in their life for any reason and like that is possible there are people like that out there but they're way at the bottom of the asexuality spectrum and then moving more towards the middle which is where most of us live you have folks who don't experience sexual attraction ever or most of the time but so asexuality really just means folks who generally don't experience sexual attraction it does not mean folks that don't have sex there are asexual people who have sex a lot there are sexual or allosexual folks who don't have sex it's not the same as celibacy it's not a choice it actually has nothing to do with how much sex you're having it has to do with the feelings that you have inside so the general concept of asexuality is someone who doesn't ever experience sexual attraction and moving up from there we have um sorry newt just jumped in my lap (laughs) moving up from there we have Uh, gray asexuality which is someone who doesn't typically experience sexual attraction but occasionally does and we have demisexuality which is someone who only experiences sexual attraction to someone that they feel extremely safe with and extremely emotionally bonded to and I think sometimes people hear that and they're like yeah I don't want to have sex with strangers either but it's so like maybe this is a really common situation but I know that there are people out there who are happy to have sex with people they don't know or are happy to have sex with people that they have never spoken to before just met that day like that's a very common thing so asexuality doesn't need to mean I've never had sex and I never want to have sex it can just mean I don't feel sexual attraction until I have an intense bond or I don't feel sexual attraction most of the time um, and that's just being on the ace spectrum and so, I also want to clarify oh go ahead no you clarify and then I'll ask a follow-up question I just want to clarify that there are a lot of reasons that people have sex that aren't necessarily like pure pure sexual attraction and so a lot of ace folks will have sex because it is interesting like it's an interesting new experience to have if there's someone that you've never had sex with before maybe you just like want to see what it would be like because it's interesting maybe some people have sex with their partners because they know that it is important to their partner and they're up for it so some people are having sex there are also asexual folks who are sex repulsed and really really hate sex and hate the idea of it and that's also valid so i just want to emphasize that there's this huge spectrum of asexual folks from people who are having sex for whatever reason and to people who like very very much do not ever want to have sex and are repulsed by it 
So my follow-up question to that is, when you're talking about asexuality, you're often talking about it in relationship to another person. Is there mm-hmm. something about asexuality that also includes the feelings like the sexu- like having sexual or not having sexual urges or feelings within yourself, no matter, regardless of if there's another person involved, or is it just about being attracted to another person? That's a really good question. I'm so glad you asked. It really is about being sexually attracted to other people that you have access to. There are a lot of asexual folks who get aroused and who masturbate. It's nothing to do with like your libido not working necessarily. It's just that you don't feel attracted to other people. So there are asexual people who watch porn and asexual people who don't. There are asexual people who masturbate and asexual people who don't. There are asexual people who have fantasies about having sex with other people. But just the difference is if they actually were able to have sex with that person, they wouldn't want to. So like maybe you're really attracted to Beyonce and you like jerk it off to Beyonce every day. But if Beyonce was there and was like, do you want to have sex? You'd be like, no, thank you, Beyonce. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the difference to me. Like really the basic difference between asexual folks and allosexual folks. And also just I'm going to kick it up one more notch because I trust y'all, your audience to like have a sophisticated view of things. I have done a lot of like really intense uh, asexuality chats with my friend Z Griffler, who does a lot of research on asexuality forums. And what we have found both in personal experience and with others is that often like we both define ourselves as like pretty asexual but when we are in that new relationship energy like that huge burst of chemicals in your brain we both have much more sexual attraction than any other time and so it's not even necessarily that like you never want to have sex maybe you only want to have sex when those new relationship chemicals are like pounding in your brain and once they go away you're like okay if I never had sex again I'd be fine (laughs) so it's just like it's really really nuanced and complicated there's not an easy answer um and the only thing I can say is that I think you sort of know in your heart if you're having sexual attraction to people most of the time or not. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, there's so much nuance and I'm so grateful that you're taking the time to like explain all of these differences. And I think it's just like a good note to sort of just like a reminder that people experience, whether it's gender or sexuality or any other identity category that they just experience it uniquely and like to be, mm-hmm. to, rem- to remember that. So that's, um, so thank you. And I also love your, I love your celebrity example. You've talked on your own, your former podcast, Smash Everything, and you've also talked on um, Lacey Davis's former podcast, Flex Your Heart Radio, about this. And that one, that celebrity thing sticks with me. I think you talked about it on Lacey's. So um, mm-hmm. I feel like that's like a good, clear, like, oh, I get it. Like, I would definitely, you know, like if I think of my celebrity crushes, I'm like, no, I would definitely have sex with them. So it's like, oh, that is like, that makes so much sense to me. Just like that, that difference. So thank you for that. Mm, Although I I would interject and say the celebrity thing doesn't fully work for me because a lot of people would be like so nervous that they wouldn't have sex with Beyonce. Yeah, that's fair too. And that, I think that's, but that's not what you mean. You mean that like you literally don't want to, you're like, nah, that doesn't sound appealing to me at this moment. Mm -hmm. Not that because I'm too nervous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think it is hard. Like just in my personal life, um, I've realized just like in the past few months that like, I'm definitely on the ACE spectrum. There's no arguing with that. But also I have a lot of like shame and fear around sex. And also like I have like a sexuality that isn't, straight and so Mm -hmm. how 
it's it's hard to piece apart like how much of this aversion is being ace and how much of this aversion is being scared of like doing something wrong or like being nervous and how much of it is like hooking up with someone that you're not actually attracted to and so Mm -hmm. it's hard to tease out it's really hard because everyone's complicated and there's a lot of factors going into every sexual encounter but again i just think that if this label is useful to you and it resonates with you you can feel free to use it there's no like checklist about like how many times you can have sex or be sexually attracted to someone before you're not ace anymore if it feels useful and it resonates with you then it can apply to you and if it doesn't feel useful then you don't need to use it totally i also trust our our audience that they can have this sort of upper level analysis of or like understanding of this rather um and i think what you're bringing up is his is historically a problem for marginalized identity categories who are fighting to not be considered like this pathological like category of like sickness abnormality um so you don't want to say anything you know it's so difficult because sometimes it is true like trauma can influence yeah our understandings of our gender and our sexuality and all of these things like you know when people there's like you know the sort of right will sometimes say like oh lesbians just like met bad men and now they only want to be with women and then there's a lot of backlash like no that's of course not true they're actually just lesbians and it's like well it could be both like they could like legitimately be attracted to women but also have had like really traumatic experiences with men and that's like real and it should we should be able to have a world where we can have both actual recognition of trauma and ways that that impacts our biology and our neurology and also totally make space for identity identity categories that may or may not have anything to do with that yeah I totally agree with that I think that's really important sorry to mean to cut you off no that I was done so I just I just really appreciate that you're like bringing that to the surface so yeah anyway I think trauma is really important to point out because I think that's one of the many myths about asexuality is that we've all like gone through sexual trauma and it's like a lot of us haven't gone through sexual trauma and we're still ace and a lot of us have gone through sexual trauma Mm -hmm. and that may or may not influence our asexuality and either one is valid and there's also a lot of allosexual people that have gone through trauma we've just all gone through trauma so like all of our identities are valid you don't need to like try to piece apart like what caused what you can just say like all right (laughs) this is is how I'm feeling right now the same thing happens with BDSM because a lot of times folks with trauma like want to work their fucking trauma out through kink in particular ways and some people don't so can you just kind of going back to the original definition you were using this is just now an add-on question not a follow-up I guess or a more detailed question but just backing up just like one step the difference between romantic and sexual attraction or if there's any other attractions that can occur in allosexuality or asexuality just yeah what is the difference yeah so I like to work with four types of attraction. Some people argue that there are six, and that is too many for me. So we're going to do four. (laughs) So the first type of attraction is platonic attraction, like you want to be buds with someone. Uh, The second type of attraction would be aesthetic attraction, which is like, wow, that's like a very beautiful person. I don't necessarily like want to date them or have sex with them. They're just like very, very beautiful. I'm sure we're all experiencing a lot of that because the Olympics are happening right now. Mm. So like you just look at beautiful people and you're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. The third type would be romantic attraction and the fourth type would be sexual attraction. So uh, to tease that out a little bit, there are romantic orientations the same way that there are sexual orientations. And so you can be heteroromantic, you can be biromantic, you can be panromantic, you can be aromantic. And for this purpose, romantic attraction is 
sort of whatever you want it to be. I have a really hard time with this one. Like romantic attraction means different things to different people, you know? So I'm not sure how to tease this out. I think we all sort of have a thing in our head that's like what romance means, what romantic attraction means. Maybe you want to cuddle with them. Maybe you want to kiss them. Maybe you want to go on dates with them. Maybe you want to live together and like do nice things for them and give them little treats, like whatever your love language is. (laughs) Like that's what romantic attraction means. It, It looks different for different people. And whereas sexual attraction is much easier to define, right? Like sexual attraction is literally like, do you want to have sex with this person or not? So there are folks that are aromantic and asexual. There are people who are, say, panromantic and asexual. There are people who are aromantic and pansexual. You know, like, it doesn't have to necessarily line up. There are people who experience romantic attraction and want to go on cute dates and cuddle and be partners, but they don't want to have sex. And conversely, there are people who want to have sex but never want to do the, like, cute date romance partner thing and uh because everyone is different so it can line up it cannot line up it's messy um yeah so I would say personally that I'm queer but if you really made me like give you a specific definition I would probably say uh I guess panromantic and uh demisexual or gray sexual so but like who wants to do that when you could just say queer right (laughs) (laughs) yeah but just for people who aren't familiar including myself demi gray what is that what does that mean yeah so i think i mentioned that a few minutes ago but you did i know but it's fine it's fine demi um is generally only feeling sexual attraction to someone with when you have like a strong emotional connection to them and so like say you've been dating for a while or you've been really good friends like all of my crushes like really really strong crushes are generally on my friends because it's who i feel safe and cozy with and gray asexuality just means that like you don't normally experience sexual attraction i personally like to just lump all of this into the ace spectrum Mm -hmm, and just say mm -hmm. i'm ace spectrum because i don't i don't see a personal benefit and like going between the nuance of like am i demi am i gray am i ace but it's useful for other people so if other people use those terms that's what they mean yeah yeah that's what i'm really appreciating about the nuances is that it must make people feel really validated that might even be the wrong word but like you know like oh my gosh like this is me you know whenever you discover something and there's like a term or a word for it you're like oh my god it's not just me and there's a term that I can identify with like that makes people feel really good sometimes so yeah and that's why I really appreciate y'all like creating a platform to talk about this is because every single time I talk about asexuality there's people that come forward and say this resonates with me and I thought I was the only one and I thought I was broken like I thought there was something wrong with me and that's why I think it's so important to talk about is the people who have not heard of asexuality but are experienced these feelings just think that they're like bad broken people a lot of the time not always but sometimes you do because that's what society tells you right like society tells you that sex is supposed to be one of the most important things and so when you don't feel that way it's really important to know that that's like also a valid option and you're not alone and you're not broken Totally. I wanted, I have three comments. One is that it's also important to note the difference between like when you were saying maybe you want to have sex with this person but not do like romantic things for them. Like that is different than like some like asshole dude who like just like wants to fuck and like doesn't like and is just like being a jerk or something. Like this is actually about like desires of intimacy. So, right. I mean, I I guess that should be a question. Like, I mean, that's right. Right. Like that's a distinction. 
I think so. I mean, unless that asshole dude has literally like of, never had any desire. Of course, of course. Life. Like there but could yeah. be there could be both and completely. Like it could that both asshole and. dude could also be ace, but or like yeah, or a romantic, absolutely. But like there are also people who can be assholes and not a romantic, yeah. right? Absolutely. So, that I feel is like and just like in another interesting distinction. And then the other thing, just in terms of like validation, like I. Like, aesthetic attraction, I totally forgot about that category, but when you were saying it, I was like, oh, yeah, duh, because I, I have taught this in classes, and that was such, that was a light bulb moment for me because I'm, I love, like, I love other femmes. I love other femmes so much. I love looking at them. I love admiring them. I, like, love thinking about how I can influence my style off of them. Once in a very blue moon, I'll have, like, a crush on another femme that makes me want to do more than just admire them, but mostly yeah. it's, like, so much about this, like, aesthetic, like... Ugh, like just like adoration and so that was like one of those like oh that's me like that's me with femmes like that's lovely and then I mm-hmm. also get that light bulb moment of recognition from a lot of my students who talk about wanting to cuddle with their like platonic girlfriends who you know supposedly platonic girlfriends but like they actually have some kind of like romantic attractions to their girlfriends mm-hmm. they don't want to have sex with them but they like want to like cuddle and watch movies with them and they were like oh like yeah I totally do that with my mm-hmm. with and you know in this in the case of the students I've been that have given this example, it's been women identified people. So yeah, so that those are so it really is. It, it's lovely to have those like, oh, this helps this gives me a framework and a theory to like understand myself. And that's always, always a good thing, I think. Cool. So another question is what happens if you're on the ace spectrum and you end up with a partner who is not on the ace spectrum? Can that be possible? And how would would or should a couple maybe navigate that? What are some ways to work work through that dynamic? Totally. It's hard. The first thing I want to say is that sometimes you get lucky because a lot of folks have never heard of the ACE spectrum and there have been two times out of two where I started dating someone who was like, what is asexuality? I've never heard of it. Does this mean you're never going to want to have sex? What's going on? And it turned out that they're like pretty close to me on the asexuality spectrum. They just didn't have the language for it. And so they thought that I was like this strange alien. (laughs) But it turned out that like we were actually pretty compatible. (laughs) So the yeah, so the first thing I say is just because someone you're dating doesn't identify as ace doesn't mean that you couldn't end up like with pretty similar sexual appetites. The second thing I will say for when that doesn't happen is that there's a couple of ways to handle it. But one thing that I want to be really, really firm on is that obviously like you don't owe sex to anyone. And if you're dating someone who has a higher sexual appetite than you do, then you can come up with ways to deal with that that doesn't involve you having sex you don't want to have. And maybe you do want to have it. Maybe you're fine. Maybe you're like, this is important to you. And it's like sort of fun to me. I don't really care. I'll do it. It's fine. My friend Z likens it to bowling. Like they're like, Mm -hmm. I don't love bowling. But if someone really wants to go bowling, it's like, sure, whatever. Like once or twice a year, I'll go bowling. I don't care. So, so, you know, maybe you do want to have sex with your partner because you don't, you're not sex repulsed and it's fine. Uh, But if your partner is giving you a bad time for not, having as much sex as they want to have that's on them and you need to have a serious boundaries conversation and if they keep guilting you like this isn't a good match for you that said there are 
ways to navigate it one thing i would recommend is exploring non-monogamy with your partner that has a sexual appetite so maybe your ace and your partner's really aloe and maybe they can find other buddies to have sex with that aren't you um i don't have a lot of great suggestions for an ace and aloe pairing that really want to be monogamous um but i think that non-monogamy is like a really perfect solution to this situation and then also just keep in mind that there are all sorts of like aloe aloe couples that aren't having a ton of sex and so I don't think that sex needs to be the most important part of your relationship and if your partner does then maybe you're just not a good fit I also really appreciate the part of the story where you said that once you started talking to the person you were dating you know, it was like they were on the spectrum, just like you are. And I, it just made me think, like, I wonder if everybody ha- was given the definitions that you just kind of laid out, like how many people mm-hmm. would actually also identify on the spectrum. Because the things that you're saying, I can relate to a lot of them, you know, but I was like, oh, I never thought because I think of the misconceptions of asexuality. Right. But then once you get down to it, it's like there's probably a lot more people that would identify as that if they fully understood that the definition. But then also I'm thinking, you know, in our culture, mainstream media, especially that hypersexualizes everybody and that you're, you're just kind of like, there's this assumption that you have to just be sexual all the time. And if you're not, there's something wrong with you. Just knowing that it's okay not to be sexual all the time, I think would mm-hmm. like lower a lot of people's anxiety over expectations that, are unrealistic for a lot of people, but also like if your if partners would talk to each other or new partners, you know, it doesn't matter the length of time that like maybe we could have some more realistic conversations about sex expectations if we had the asexuality spectrum map out to discuss that. Definitely. Also, another component of asexuality that resonates a lot with me personally is that a lot of ace folks don't pick up on flirting very well and they don't you know pick up on like sexy hints very well Mm. and so that used to make me really nervous when I was dating because I was like what if this person wants something from me and they're dropping these hints and either I'm completely not responding or I like am giving the signal that I don't mean to give and that would make me really really scared and so I have since switched to the method of just being really upfront and saying like hey this is how like date one like hey I'm pretty bad at picking up flirting so you need to be like pretty upfront with me I'm also pretty shy but I probably like you so just you know ask for consent before you do anything because if you don't ask I'll probably never know that that you're trying to do something (laughs) and that way I don't have to be scared that someone's just going to make a move on me when I had no idea it was coming or I'm not ready for it whatever and just having those open channels of communication it's not just for ace people but it is really really helpful to like be really straightforward with your boundaries and what you'd like to happen because um, then everyone doesn't have to like play a guessing game of like where everyone is at their stage of their relationship so and I think that's good advice for everybody Everybody. like I was just talking to some student a student of mine who's very socially awkward and we were talking about like how I I have social awkwardness too and I'm like I just tell people like I'm you're gonna think that I'm super blunt and and I'm Mm -hmm. you know I don't mean any disrespect by it you know if you just tell people right away like yep then there's no guessing games, then you don't have to, you know, but I think, yeah, I think that's just good advice for everybody. (laughs) Just communicate who you are. It helps so much and people appreciate it. 
And mm-hmm. it's and it's also just great for uplifting consent culture because when you're mm-hmm. constantly yeah. communicating about your needs and your the things you don't want, I mean that's that's just excellent practice. So uh, if we've been talking about things in a very positive light, but do you mind one of the questions that came to my mind right away when I knew we were going to have you on is talking about some of the stigmas and I know we've kind of referenced the just people not really knowing much about it but mm-hmm. would you mind sharing to whatever level you feel comfortable with like any stigma around asexuality that you just know of or that you've experienced thanks uh one thing that happens is that people don't think it's real the way that smash everything started my previous podcast started was a bunch of folks were talking about asexuality as if it didn't actually exist and i was like oh i just need to give like a five minute explainer course on this and it was happening so often that i was like i'm gonna make this into a podcast so that (laughs) i can just like hand it to them and so like just a doubt that it exists is the biggest thing uh other things we've talked about include like thinking that ace people have never had sex uh, and thinking that if ace people did have sex, they wouldn't be asexual, thinking that it's just like they're prudes or they're shy, you know, and that's that's not fair or true. Most ace people have had sex, and also if they haven't, it's super valid. <laughs> so either way is fine. Um, thinking that asexual folks are really childlike and naive and innocent is a huge thing that comes up, uh, and that's not fair either. Like, we're adults, we know how sex is. We know how the world is. Like We just like are operating a little differently than you. Just in general, treating ace people like they are aliens, like frigid, frigid aliens, I think happens a lot. And it's, so I think it's just a combination. It's like, we're not children. We're not aliens. We're not prude. We're not frigid. We're also like, I don't want to generalize, but like sex positivity and asexuality are completely different. I am very sex positive. I'm happy for all the sex that all of my friends want to have and the fact that I might be having less sex than them, or maybe not, but the fact that I might be having less sex than them doesn't mean that I'm not sex positive. It just means that, like, this is a choice I'm making for myself. And I think that comes up a lot. I would say especially in queer culture because Mm. queer identity is so wrapped up in sexuality, right? Mm Because that's, like, what it is. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, actually, I could this might be helpful or not it took me a really long time to realize that i was queer because i didn't look at women and want to have sex with them and it was like oh that's because i don't look at anyone and want to have sex with them and because i'm ace you know and so it it can be hard to feel like a valid queer person if you're not running around having sex with a bunch of people of a bunch of different genders and bodies but like you know what's in your heart and you know if you're queer or not and like I can be a a really gay person without ever having sex with someone of my gender you know like you just have crushes or you don't you have like urges or you don't you have feelings or you don't and you know who you are but I think that in queer culture not having had sex with a lot of people is sometimes frowned upon because queer culture is so hypersexualized which I think is a problem so I think that's really important. If I could just make a quote and then like have it on a megaphone that like, I know I'm queer because I'm queer, you know, like that all the judginess. And Rachel, have we ever talked about that on the podcast? Queer people questioning other people's queerness? I don't think we've ever actually actually had a real explicit conversation about it. Maybe Um, we should. I mean, maybe not like we could right now, but I mean, I just feel like that is so true. And I'm just glad that you said that, Molly. And if 
you know, if this was a magazine, I would like pull that quote out and like make it really big. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I think that's really, really, really important. And something that I like, I've definitely gone through, but I've talked to Rachel about it off air that I know a lot of queer people have gone every but you know, it's just like, I know who I am. And like, can you please stop judging me and my level of queerness? Right. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, and especially like, for women that are interested in multiple genders and a lot of them end up dating men and it's like men are just so abundant and easy to like (laughs) you know find and obtain like people of other genders I think of like these really like beautiful magical creatures that you actually have to like put effort into wooing and then just like show up right so like of course a bunch of us end up with men and like they're just statistically around plus you have like heterosexist societies right and so like Mm -hmm. it just is natural that a lot of folks are are queer but dating men and that doesn't make them any less queer and i think the invisibility like when i was living in milwaukee Mm -hmm. where i'm recording from today the queer scene was so invisible you know Mm -hmm. and it was still like even in the two you know early 2000s not a lot of people were like out out and so like good luck trying to find people um and i just remember having situations where people were like Somebody told me later, like, Sarah really liked you, you know, when she slept over. And I was like, I, you know, we just, it was all invisible. And oh my gosh, it's just, yeah. yeah, So that just reminded me of my past. I just decided to turn this episode into me reliving (laughs) my past. Thank you for listening. I love it. No, I mean, (laughs) I, I mean, even though I know my friends are queer, like, because I'm bad at the, the signals thing because I'm ace and other reasons uh like literally I started dating my partner who I very like but as soon as I started dating him like three of my friends were like oh I had huge crushes on you I'm like why didn't you tell me last week (laughs) (laughs) so it's hard sometimes it's hard to know whereas this boy that I was dating was literally like texting me like hi I like you a lot would you like to go on a date you know so like communication is important (laughs) right yeah yeah, we could totally devote more time to talking about all of that and uh, like the both the pain and difficulty of invisibility and also an erasure and also mm-hmm. like the ways in which people who pass as straight have so much privilege and that, you know, queer people who pass as straight also have to like recognize that and so so much to say about that. But we're not ta- that's not the topic of the episode, so we're we're going to keep moving. <laughs> I'm like, but I'm ready. I have so many feelings about it. <laughs> uh, well, we could. I mean, uh, I mean, we totally. No, it's fine. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, it's it's a great time. We would. No, you've shamed me into continuing with the interview. No, I. <laughs> <laughs> Question okay. five, Rachel. Question five, please, <laughs> if you will. This is my Capricorn energy is like, let's stay on task, people. Oh my gosh, so real. Um... <laughs> oh, that's why. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So the last question that we have is how can allosexual people or perhaps people who are closer to allosexual on the spectrum or feel like they have allosexual allosexual privilege in particular ways, how can we, they be allies to people, uh, ace folks? I mean, the first most obvious thing is to respect people's identities when they share them, not to ask them a bunch of nosy questions, not to police them and be like, oh, wait, didn't you have sex that one time? (laughs) (laughs) Not to treat them like aliens or like children, not to try to talk them out of it, not to talk about 
how great your sex was and how maybe you should just try having sex with a better person because I think that's a huge one. It's like, oh, maybe you've just never had good sex. And it's like, nah, that's not really mm. what it's about. You know, like it's about attraction. It's not about like your experience in the middle of sex. So that's all, you know, just like treating ace folks like they're normal humans worthy of respect is always really great. Um, I think it's really important to recognize that the A in LGBTQIA plus stands for asexual and not ally Mm -hmm. Um, because a lot of ace folks are queer. We can have a big argument about whether like cis heteromantic ace people are queer and I don't I'm not interested in getting into that discussion right now but like there are many 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 ace spectrum folks who are queer and asexuality is inherently queering the dominant sexual narrative and so I think it's really important to include them in queer discussions and queer spaces uh one huge huge thing for me would to be creating then this is again like specifically for the queer community but creating queer events that don't feel like inherently sexualized I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of queer spaces are bars or night clubs and dancing and obviously you can dance without being allosexual but gosh wouldn't it be nice if we just had like a queer ass bakery or something you know like a queer knitting group like that I think is really important to me is like creating experiences for folks that don't have to do so much with hypersexuality Mm -hmm. um and lastly just like communicating with everyone as we talked about with like consent and boundaries and what you're interested in and what you're not interested in and just like trusting your partner if they're ace uh to communicate with you what they want like because for me personally like I identify as a spectrum and there's also like people that I like really want to make out with and maybe have sex with you know and like that's like up to me and I get to make those shots so you don't get to decide like what my sexual appetite should be or what my boundaries should be like just trust your partner to communicate with you those are those are great I'm I'm gonna start a queer crafting group at school that's just been decided because we actually have an affinity group that we just meet and like talk about stuff it's like a combined queer and poc and or poc all together um and now i just want to start an embroidery group or a craft group Mm -hmm. i would embroider (laughs) and then and then also like i don't know how many people if any listening here like are out there creating content but like right now there's like only one or two asexual folks in the history of any media that haven't been used as the butt of a joke Mm. like normally if you see asexuality in media it is being mocked um uh todd on bojack horseman is very out as asexual he uses the term asexual he goes to asexual meetups and that's the only like real like explicitly canon representation of asexuality i've ever seen Mm. and so uh if you're making any kind of content and you're able to normalize asexuality and not treat it as the butt of a joke that would be really important to me also because it is honestly like just shocking when i watched bojack horseman i like called z and was just like is this allowed (laughs) (laughs) we can just like be people in the world and so like that's just something that's really important to me is just treating it like it's normal and exists yeah that's i mean we we are very pro representation as mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about it just last week about about the power of seeing seeing people who you identify mm-hmm. with in the media's can be so powerful. So um, that's those are that's amazing advice. I think the 
the moving away from bars and nightclubs is also great for the queer community because there's often disproportionate levels of alcoholism or just choosing to, you know, right. sober, sober living and like yes. um, just across the board having having more spaces. And that's existed in iterations, you know, here and there. I mean, throughout, you know, time. But more emphasis on that, I think, is just, yeah, good advice across the board. That's amazing. That was so informative, so educational. I, I learn, I've, like I said, I've heard you speak officially on this, at, you know, at least three times, but I, I feel like I learn more and, and um, you bring more nuance to it every time, and I'm so grateful for that. And we didn't prep you for this, but if you want to, you can stick around for RWLs if everybody oh, sure, is I'd into that. that. Okay, great. Uh, Mal, are you up for that and ready-ish? Yes. <clears throat> Great. Who wants to start? I can start. I have been, R stands for reading. I've been reading (laughs) about, I did it backwards last week, Molly. (laughs) Stop it. Oh, wait. Reading, watching, and listening with Rachel Mel and Molly. Aww. Yay. I love that. New ringtone. Thank you. (laughs) Anytime. Uh, I've been reading a lot of professional journalism ethic guideline websites because um, not to bring us down, but there was a horrible mass shooting this past week and I teach media writing and my students had a ton of questions about using social media posts that the students had put online. And so I've been doing a lot of research on this moving target of social media and like what are the ethical guidelines for journalists. And so I've just been doing some work on that. If you're curious, the short answer is you're supposed to get attri- you're supposed to ask them permission before you use it. Uh, but obviously, th- it's a whole different ball game when you can just retweet stuff without verifying mm-hmm. the accuracy and stuff. So it's kind of a mess. But I've just been that's what I've been nerding out on this week. And then watching I watched an amazing Rachel, we'll have to talk about this later because I could go on for like 20 minutes. But all I will say is I watched a puppet show about Mr. Rogers. Uh, Did I I tell you? uh, Yeah, you said you were going. I haven't heard about it. Yeah, from In the Heart of the Beast, which is the same people that do the May Day Parade in Minneapolis. They're very well known. They're like radical artists. And like, it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And it was like the, it was just like the best. Um, So that's what I've been watching. And listening to, I've been listening to this podcast that I was interviewed on, and I'm try, I'm not really trying to plug myself, but it's called the, hang on, they have like, oh, it's called the Extra Dimension, and it's all about how technology intersects with the rest of our life. So I'm just really interested in that, both from a pedagogy stand, like how I teach, and then also just my own life. So it's like nerds. They're white dudes, though, I think. Sorry, guys, if you're listening. So like not very like feminist killjoy. That's a feminist killjoy moment right there. Yeah. Uh, so definitely not like a feminist podcast, but I was just I mean, I was in my media nerd world this week. So that's, that's great. That's me. Thank you for and cool. as the non Capricorn, I'll just be quiet now. And we're going to keep going. <laughs> I forget. I always forget your rising and moon. Sign. My rising sign is cancer. Oh, and I don't know oh. if I know my moon. How okay, do I not know I'm, my moon? Isn't that more complicated? No, I mean any anything huh. any generator should pull up the moon for That's you. That's weird. I wonder if it's also good. Okay, I, report, I pass. I pass. Report back. <laughs> <laughs> Molly, do you want to go or you want me to go? Sure, I can go. I am reading Mean by Miriam Gerba, who is also one of the hosts of Two Bi Girls, the podcast. Or sorry, Ask Bi Girls, the podcast. Mean is so good. It's 
just so incredibly well written. There's a lot of dark topics in it. It's sort of a memoir of a Mexican-American queer girl. And there's a lot of like darkness, but also so much wit in it. I've been laughing out loud all of the time. Um, And I also want to mention I just finished Spinning, which is a graphic novel by Tilly Walden that's about a gay uh, figure skater. And I really enjoyed that as well. So if you want two like quick queer reads, uh, Mean and Spinning are both really, really incredible. Watching... I don't watch very much, but right after this, I'm going to go see Black Panther, Yay. like everyone else in the world. Yep. So I'm <laughs> stoked on that. I just assume that I will give it a rave review. So mm-hmm. just preact, preemptive rave review. And then um, listening, this is really embarrassing. I subscribe to like 75 podcasts, and I'm going to plug one that's by four white men, but I have <laughs> a point to it. There's a podcast called The Adventure Zone in which four white men play Dungeons and Dragons. And if you had told me that I would love this podcast, I would have said, no, (laughs) you're wrong. But here's what I've decided. I think that as like marginalized folks, we more than anyone deserve to have like a little bit of escapism. And for years, I did not allow myself any escapism because I thought I had to be on the grind all of the time. And then I started listening to this fantasy podcast and it's really funny and none of the problems are real because it's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast and you can just like chill. And also the people that make this are really smart. There's non-binary representation. There's transgender representation. There's a lot of really badass women. No one's race is identified. And so the people who make the fan art for the show make a bunch of like really good racial representation. Also, I just, it's really non-offensive. I would say like for a feminist killjoy situation, like there's nothing that I've been like really deeply offended by. And it's nice to have a place to escape when I just need to not think about the world all the time because so many of my podcasts that I listen to are like current events and I just can't listen to 75 Trump podcasts, you know? So totally. That's my plug. That's great. And I loved your explanation of, yeah, I'm pro media escapism personally. Mm -hmm. Great. Thanks for sharing. I am reading Brilliant Imperfection by Eli Clare. Eli Clare is a pretty important critical disability studies, crip theory scholar and activist. And this is his latest book. And it's it's beautiful and it's thoughtful and it is very unlike a lot of academic writing and that it's very poetic, very narrative driven and is asking so many beautiful, important questions about the contradictions of both wanting to embody and be proud of disabled identity and the and not wanting to cure and fix you know, bodies and instead curing and fixing society and also the complications when bodies hurt and what it means to like alleviate alleviate pain in the midst of all of that. And it's just like so many beautiful thought provoking questions that are feel so relevant to a lot of just different things in my life and in people's lives who I care about. And so I'm really, really enjoying reading that. Um, Watching. Oh, goodness. I I am seeing Black Panther. Did you say you're seeing that later today or tomorrow, Molly? Yeah. Later today. today. I'm seeing it tomorrow morning. So, um, like, the first showing was the only one that wasn't, like, sold out. So we're seeing it at 11 tomorrow. So we'll be watching that tomorrow. Uh, I can't think of anything really of note that I've been watching to mention other than what I'm about to watch tomorrow. Uh, Listening to the Black Panther soundtrack. It's so good. It's super, super fucking good. So that's been fun as well. And, yeah, so I'm excited for that. And Molly, we're so super stoked that you are on the show. Thank you so much. 
Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor and a treat. Yeah. Where can people find you on the internet? Thanks for asking. Oh, that. good cue. <laughs> um, I am on Twitter at Molly Woodstock, and my podcast Gender Reveal is at G E N D E R E V E A L, which is Gender Reveal with one R. You can finally by find me by listening to my podcast, which is called Gender Reveal, and I'm also on Instagram at Molly Woodstock. And it's such a good podcast, and we love oh, it. So cool! So Thank you so much, WTF. Power. Power. Yay. Also, I'm a, my moon's in Scorpio. That's why I forgot. Oh, <laughs> you're trying to detach from that. <laughs>